I think the first impression uh, that, that most people have is small town. Charming, but it's not football. Wrap and squeeze, good. Got to be physical, baby. We just need one person to come play six-man football to fill our team. You know, it looked pretty iffy right there till the end. She saved us all. There you go. Way to go, girl. Nice lick. It was scary. <laughs> football really, I think, is really important because I'm trying to go to a college where NFL teams uh, notice me. It's just Hoosiers come to life for these kids. It's all we have, really. Welcome to SC Featured. I'm Jen Latta. High school football in Texas, land of the $70 million high school football stadium. More than 200 players now in the NFL spent their high school years here. Its teams are regularly ranked among the nation's best. But those are the big towns with the big schools. Out in rural Texas, the towns are getting smaller. What about those schools? The ones where the entire town's population is sometimes under 200, and the entire school system may have less than 100 students. The ones with not enough athletes to field an 11-man football team. There is still a game for them. It's called six-man football, and in Texas, it's huge. Here's ESPN's Chris Connolly. The fundamentals and techniques of six-man football are the same as regular football, but there are some not-so-subtle differences. It's played with six players to a side. The field is 80 yards long instead of 120 yards long as it is in 11-man football, 40 yards wide compared to 53 yards wide. A touchdown is worth six points. A field goal is four. You need 15 yards for a first down. The quarterback, or whoever takes the snap, can't just take the ball and run across the line of scrimmage. He has to hand it off to somebody else, pitch it, or throw a forward pass. Oh, and if one team is leading by 45 points at halftime or beyond, the game is called. We begin in the small town of Harold in North Texas, a farming and ranching community about 15 minutes from the Oklahoma border. Population 175. One building houses Harold's entire student population, K through 12, and the high school students number just 30, of which only eight are boys, including Harold's only senior football player, Brady Blakely. And like a lot of high school football players, Brady would see his dad playing an important role in his athletic life. You know, he always liked football. He played at Harold. Me and him just bonded over football, I think, really mostly a lot, you know. As a single parent in his 50s, raising a child on his own, life wasn't always easy for Brady's father, Mike, who never missed a game. Then in 2015, Mike was diagnosed with cancer. It was hard to see him look like that, you know, going through that stuff. And his body was, his body shut down and, you know, he couldn't talk. And I couldn't talk to my dad for about two or three days. It bothered me. To see him like that, you know. Harold football coach and principal Craig Templeton witnessed firsthand the strong bond between Brady and his father. The last game that I, I know that 
for sure that Brady's dad was able to watch him play, Brady ends up scoring four touchdowns in the game. Big night between uh, Brady and his dad, Mike. And then two weeks later, he's gone. This is my last year, and my dad just passed. He may not be there at the field, but you know he'll be up there watching, so I gotta, I gotta give it more than everything I have for him, big time. As the Harold Hornets prepared for the 2016 season, Coach Templeton was worried that there might not even be a season. I've had years where we had 28 on the roster. I thought going into this year we'd have eight, maybe even nine. The first day I had five kids. You know, and they're worried about playing. Especially Brady. Three freshmen, one sophomore, and one senior. It shattered me, and I was like, well, now we're definitely not going to have a football team. We just need one person to come play six-man football to fill our team. So Coach Templeton went to the most unlikely of places to complete his roster. To be honest, I was really joking when I walked through the gym, and I hollered at the volleyball girls. Hey, I need somebody to play football. Who's going to come play? Well, one person took him seriously. Olivia Perez, a friend of Brady's. I really wanted to do it, especially for Brady. I Snapchatted him, and I told him that I'd play for him, and he, like, told me he appreciated it so much. She knew my dad was a big supporter for the school. She did it for so I can play one more year, and, you know, I can play for him. But football, even six-man football, was a daunting proposition for the five-foot-two, 135-pound Perez. It was scary. <laughs> my mom was pretty scared. My dad was very scared. Step into it. Explode into it. Explode into him, Olivia. Tackle, tackle, tackle. All right, good job, Olivia. At first, I didn't know how to put the pads in and stuff. I didn't know where it went and stuff. I had one of my volleyball players, she knew a lot about football, so she helped me. It's been a big challenge. <laughs> Some of them I can't really tackle because of how big they are, but I have to try at least. Regardless of how good or how bad or how many touchdowns we score, Brady gets a chance to play. And that's what Olivia is doing for him. You know, for her to go out there and do this, it's a dream come true, you know, to have one last ride, you know, to put it all out there on the field and give it everything you got. Look what that girl did for that boy. I mean, she's just jumping right into the middle of something. She has no idea what it's like, what it's about. But she's doing it for a friend. If people would take that type of attitude, the United States and the world would be a, a whole lot better place. As Harold gets ready for the new season, Olivia joins us from her home in Texas. Olivia, it's great to be talking to you. How did Thank you, you. And, it's great to be talking to you. How did you and Brady become friends? Well, we started hanging out playing basketball in the mornings during breakfast. And one day we were just playing basketball and then on two different ends. And we just kind of combined together and played a full game and then we started talking more and got a good friendship out of it. What did you find you and Brady had in common? Basketball. <laughs> <laughs> How good a basketball player is he? Oh, he's great. Like, he's not selfish, 
and he is really, really good with sportsmanship. Not selfish and a good sportsman. What kind of qualities does he have as a person that kind of connect with those qualities he has as a basketball player? He's really caring and courageous. Like, he doesn't try to be a ball hog or anything. He tries to get everybody to play and participate in the game. And it's just like, as a friend, he does the same. He thinks about other people before himself. Why was that the right decision for you to make, to play football that year so that Brady could play one more year? I don't know. I just, like, kind of enjoyed watching him play from the sidelines, and I thought it would be a good experience to play with him. What kind of experience did it turn out to be, playing alongside your friend? Crazy. (laughs) It was fun and memorable, but... It was really crazy when it came down to being tackled and stuff. What's being tackled like for someone who's never played that kind of football before? Well, most people just kind of pissed on me, but there was one time when somebody actually tackled me, and it kind of hurt, but I got up and continued with the game. We know you go to a very small school. How important do you think six-man football is to Harold? It's very important. Like, they have had a a game every single year that football has existed there. And not being – if we don't have a team, then I don't know. I feel like it would be really weird without it. Are you going to play football next year? If we have enough for a team, yes. What will that be like? I don't know. I won't have Brady by my side anymore, so it'll be kind of weird, but I think we'll manage. Well, Olivia, we've gotten to hear all about what a caring person you are, and people have spoken about that as well. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. After the break, Chris Connolly tells us the story of another six-man team battling adversity and history the Calvert Trojans. But first, if you're listening in Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. If you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. We'll be right back. Welcome back to SC Featured. Here again, ESPN's Chris Conley. Calvert, Texas, a railroad town about an hour's drive southeast of Waco. Population just over 1,100. Student population, 167. And that's pre-K through 12. But it wasn't always this way. The population used to be double that in the 1960s. There were two high schools, each with its own 11-man football team. Now there's one school for all the students and one six-man team whose players represent both the challenges and the resilience of this community. Calvert is a little different. We are a big six-man town. Just hard-nosed, grit, country kids. They really don't have a whole lot. I think the school and the football team kind of keeps the town glued together. If the school went away, the football team went away, the town kind of withered away. John Cherry, who grew up playing football in Texas some three hours away, is the head coach at the high school here in Calvert. 
where the composition of the student body has transformed in recent years. We have a heavy African-American population, which in a lot of these tiny towns in Texas isn't the norm. It's about half and half whites and blacks here in the city. The railroad track separates the two groups of people. Sad, but, you know, it's kind of a truism here. That's Calvert science teacher Michael Cotton. He graduated here in 1965. Calvert had two high schools until 1970, when a federal court put an end to decades of segregated schools. First grade teacher Edith Gilbert is a Calvert native. They decided, okay, we need to integrate. We need to get everybody together. Well, we had some parents, the white parents, that they took their children out to and took them to another district. Before becoming principal, Rennell Trotter graduated from Calvert High School in 1981. When I was going to school here, it may have been more like maybe 70% African-American, 30% Caucasian. Over the years, they've just left. Many of them saying the reason because the, they don't think the kids could get a good quality education here, which I don't believe because we have kids that graduate here and they, and they go off to college. Football represents a possible ticket to a brighter future. Jaquan Thompson is a Calvert senior, the town's most outstanding athletic talent. Football really, I think it's really important because I'm trying to get scholarship to go play somewhere big. Go to a college where NFL teams uh, notice me to get my mom and my sisters out of Calvert. Jaquan says he, like many of his teammates, have come to rely on Coach Cherry off the field. Coach Cherry really means a lot to me. He's like a big brother, but also my coach slash father. He would, like, give an arm and a leg just to help me out, and I'll do the same for him. Of course, Cherry is still the head coach. You know, my rules are tough. You have to keep a 74 above in all your grades. Football gets to push them to, to get good grades, which will help them, you know, get to college. You know, all this is bigger than football. It's life. The Calvert Trojans went undefeated during the regular season and entered the playoffs ranked second. They breezed through the first two rounds, winning by an average of 47 points. Then, in the quarterfinals, they faced the top-seeded Richland Spring Coyotes, a seven-time state champion. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Now here's the big challenge, the Coyote defense facing a great player in Thompson. That's probably something we'll see all night tonight. Looking to throw, throws it way down deep, got a man, wide open, caught, touchdown, Calvert. That touchdown tied the game at eight just a few minutes into the game. Later on in the first quarter, Richland Springs opened up a 24-8 lead. Any hope of Calvert closing the gap rested on the shoulders of Calvert's best player, Jaquan Thompson. Thompson, one man rushed, can't catch him, now he's going to run. Still on his feet, still running, still on his feet. Oh, wow, nice game. You know, I have to give it to Thompson on his feet. He's got lots of room to run. Wow. Across the way, it looks like Thompson is on the ground over there. They're working on his leg. I don't want to stop <laughs> With Thompson hobbled, Richland Springs poured it on. Throws it and intercepted in the end zone. Here comes Timmy. He's going to take it to the house. Touchdown, Coyotes. Run it. He's going to go. He's going to go. Touchdown, Coyotes. Game, match, set, point, 
Calvert lost to Richland Springs, 86-36. After the game, emotions flowed freely, even from Coach Cherry. I love you guys. I'm sorry. I let you down as a coach. Okay? I'm sorry. That's not fair to y'all because y'all done everything I freaking asked. Calvert's season ended with only that one loss. Richland Springs won their next game and advanced to the state championship held at AT&T Stadium, where they went on to win their eighth state title. In May of this year, head coach John Cherry took a job as assistant coach with rival Richland Springs, the only team to defeat Calvert in the 2016 season, the same team that stopped their playoff run. We welcome John Cherry. John Cherry, thank you for talking to us. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm excited. I like to talk. So, <laughs> <laughs> What was going through your heart as you addressed the team after that game? Well, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, football never really stops for me. Uh, you know, it's my job year-round. And um, a lot of prep time went into all that hard work. And, um, you know, we, we knew from the beginning of the year Richland Springs was who we had to take down to go win it. And uh, that's who we've been prepping for since day one of two days. I uh, had film on their huddle, and they—I mean, we've just been—we, you know, we did everything we could. Um, so it's emotional. It's hard. Um, it's, uh, and it's, you know, a lot of it's you want to be victorious for those kids. You know, you want it for those kids so bad that it just kills you um, that that it didn't happen. And uh, you know, I was, I was emotional, and it's just a lot of hard work and and uh, a great season we had. And, and the hard thing is you don't remember those wins. You remember that one loss. You know, you remember that one bad one. Um, and that's what just kind of shadows, you know, went 12-1. and one and, and the only thing that they'll think about 10 years from now is, is the one loss. Um, I hope, so they, was, think of, I hope they think of some of the wins every now and then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, it, you, know, it just, you know, it just sticks in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what you talk about. You don't talk about the great wins. You just, you know, you get stuck on that. Um, because, you know, it's could have, you know, we could have done it. We were there and, and, uh, you know, it, it happens. It's life. It's football. Uh, you can't win them all, but you've joined the Richland Springs coaching staff since the end of the season. As you left Calvert, what did you want the players who were remaining at that school to know? Uh, you know, for one, just that I, I love them all. And, and I told them that, uh, you know, I get emotional with that stuff because, you know, we, we see these kids more than we see our family. Um, and, and so, you know, I set them all down in the room and I just, you know, I told them, uh, you know, I was going to be leaving and it was very emotional. It was hard. I, you know, I cried in front of them, um, because I love those kids and I still love them. And, and if they need anything, they can call me. I've talked to, uh, JJ Green a couple of times since I've been gone and, and the kids, you know, they, they'll know I'll always be there for them. Um, it was just the right thing in, in my mind for the time uh, to move on, um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't their fault, and uh, I, I made sure they knew that, and uh, just wanted them to make sure, you know, I knew I'd still be there for them. Uh, I hit a weight room key to make sure they could still continue to get in the weight room once I was moved out uh, until they got a new coach, and um, you know, because I want, I still want what's best for them. You know, 20 years down the road from now, I'll still want what's best for them. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was tough. It was a very tough conversation and, you know, some of them were mad, some 
were upset, some were crying. You know, it's kind of a mixture of all emotions. Um, but you know, it's just it's just part of life, and that's part of the career choice. You know, that I've chosen. Um, you know, just have to do some of these things sometimes. Finally, what will you remember about your season at Calvert? Uh, you know, I, there's a lot, um, but you know, I think just defying odds. You know, uh, just uh, you know, first year head coach coming in there, and um, as far as in the public school setting, and uh, you know, no one thought we were going to be that good. They had just lost uh, six starters from the year before. Uh, the only really returning starter was Kwan. All the rest of them hadn't really had playing time since they were in junior high. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was just the transition from these kids that had never really gotten varsity snaps into turning them into all-state players. And uh, But, you know, off the field, it's, you know, um, just how good of people they were. And, and I got to see, no matter where you come from, you know, you still pick the life that you want to live. Um, you still – you still choose the path you you take, and um, so you know that's that's the kind of things that stick with me uh, with this last season. And, and like I said, I still love every every one of those kids, and, and I still tell them I love them. You know, anytime we talk. And uh, but you know, it's it just it is what it is. And uh, but I, I enjoyed it, and you know, it's something that I'll never forget. Uh, you know, going twelve and one there is, is you know it's not a bad year. Um, you know, we really like to win it, but. Um, it, it was definitely a, a year I'll never forget. John, thank you so much for sharing your story of this past season and continued success yeah. to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to Coach Cherry and Olivia Perez for joining us, along with Chris Connolly. Remember to subscribe to the SC Feature Podcast on the ESPN app or in Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Jen Latta.